Thanks for joining us today for another message from Pastor Gary on the visitation as we look into the Word at how Jesus went into different lives throughout the Bible and He ministered and visited to uh, their lives and connected with them and cultivated that sense of worship. So we encourage you to allow Him into your life this Christmas season as He visits you through His Advent. If God has been working in your life through this ministry, we want you to send you uh, send us a message at connect at etag.tv. Also, if God has been blessing you through this ministry, we want you to jump in and help support this ministry so others around the world can hear messages just like this one. Merry Christmas. God bless you for your worship and giving this morning. Everyone looking at Luke chapter 1. Next Sunday is the last Sunday of the year. I encourage you in these closing services, don't miss a service. I want to show you something. This Wednesday evening, communion is so important to your family. I know you may have other activities. Help them to worship. Don't miss that opportunity. It's a powerful spiritual connect. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach about the year 5775. In the Jewish calendar... It is the year 5775. It, as I was studying that this week, 5775, it is the year of the double-double. When you look at this, I'm going to show you some things that has not been brought out that the Spirit of God, the five, how many know God is a God of numbers, number one? I think there's a book in the Bible somewhere, amen. Uh, he's into numbers. Well, five has a biblical meaning. Posted at the first and the last. Double seven in the middle. God's saying something. I believe there's something prophetic about this hour. Prophetic about the beginning of a new year on our calendar. That God's wanting to say in this hour. And I don't want you to miss what the Lord's put in our heart for next Sunday. And uh, about the double portion. The double, double portion. Amen. How many would like a double portion of God's hand upon your life? Amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 1, verse 78. I've had a hard time waiting till this opportunity to preach right now. Amen. Something in my spirit. Amen. My wife had a time getting to church this morning. She had the grandchildren in the car, and one of the grandchildren got sick on the way, and all in the car, and Got out of the car and was sick and in my office is a mess, was sick in my office, amen. And so she's there under the grace and mercy of the Lord, amen, uh, on the front row, but she's had a time helping sick grandchildren, but uh, God's still here, amen, and he's going to help us. But Luke's, Luke 1, 78 and 79, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring on high hath visited us. When you could not come to him, he came to us. We could not get into the realm of the heavenlies. Amen. We could not approach God. We did not have access into the holy of holies. But I'm here to declare because there was a first advent. We have access into the presence of God. The middle wall of petition has been torn down. And friends... Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. I'm telling you, when you could not come close to him, 
It says the day spring hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. You may be seated. The first advent is about Jesus coming as a baby. Everybody say amen. Christmas is the celebration of his birth, his advent. Christmas does not just include this, it is about this. It may include some other things, and family things are wonderful. Family things, in fact, Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, wrote a book about creating memories and making these special times for homes and families. But let me lay the groundwork. Christmas is about the first advent. Boom. Amen. That's what it means. That's what it's about. Anything you add to that just needs to be an add-on to family celebration. But we're here to celebrate Jesus. I'm not going to give mixed signals, friends. It's about there was a first advent that God saw the lostness of mankind and he loved the world so much uh, that he sent Jesus from the realms of glory. And he came as a baby wrapped in human flesh. We understand that the date is not December 25. But it is the date chosen by the Christians in about 200 A.D. to celebrate and remind us there was a birth. There was a first advent. Without the first advent, there would be no life of miracles. Without the first advent, there would be no plan of salvation. There would be no cross. I love to post crosses and put crosses up. You know, as I went through the, the study of Deuteronomy last summer, and we looked at Abraham, we looked at his son, his grandson, where they went to worship, they established altars. Wherever in the land they went, they established altars. The cross represents the final altar of worship, the final altar of sacrifice. And so anywhere I can build a cross, anywhere I can place a cross, uh, this church has always been about putting crosses up so that people will know and not be mistaken. Uh, this is a house that honors the ultimate sacrifice, the altar of worship of our Savior with his life. Amen? We have a responsibility to declare the first advent. And Evangel Temple goes all out in ministry, outreach, missions to declare the coming of Christ as a baby in the manger. In chapter 1, God by an angel silences Zacharias. And because Zacharias believed not the word of the Lord, the angel comes to him and for nine months and eight days, Zacharias is unable to speak. He is unable to talk so that when he leaves the temple and he goes home to his wife Elizabeth, he has got to get the message across, but he can't talk to her. And he's got to tell her, woman, in your old age, you're about to become pregnant. Say what? He's got to somehow communicate to her that he's just had a visitation of an angel that said, I who stand in the presence of God have heard your prayers. Uh, let, let me declare, friends, when that angel comes to Zacharias, Zacharias does not believe the word of the Lord, does not believe the message the angel gives, and yet that's exactly what they had been praying for. The angel that's in the presence of God says, Zacharias, we've heard your prayers. Some of us need to get to the prayer room a little more often. Amen. 
You want your prayers answered? Pray some prayers. Pray some effectual prayers at the close of 2014, the beginning of 2015. My Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of righteous men avails much before God. In chapter 1, so he silences Zacharias for nine months and eight days. And he could not speak until that eighth day when the baby is taken to be dedicated and circumcised. And the baby is taken to the temple and the friends and family are saying to Zacharias and to the family, let's name him Zacharias in honor of his daddy. He writes down on parchment. His name shall be John. I'm telling you, when he prophesied through writing, somebody needs to grab hold of this word right now. You, you may not can, uh, even speak effectively or, or, or efficiently right now, but you can write some things with faith in your heart, with vision in your understanding of, of the plan of God. And Zacharias, all he could do was write, His name shall be John. And when he wrote, John, the Bible says his mouth opened and he began to prophesy. Somebody needs to catch this word this morning uh, that maybe the, the devil's had you dumb as it were, unable to speak, not fulfilling your divine destiny, not seeing all that God wants to do in your life. You need to write some things out. Habakkuk chapter uh, 2 uh, verse 1 through 3 says you need to write the vision. Amen. You need to make it plain so that then you can run with the vision. There is something to be said about writing some things in faith. And I felt I needed to just stir that up in somebody's spirit on this Christmas Sunday morning. Somebody needs to write some things out in faith. I believe in closing out the year and looking at the new year and writing some faith goals for 2015. You have not because you ask not. I wrote some large goals. Do you know that last year I wrote down that, Lord, by some miracle of heaven, give us that land. I, I put that on paper. I said, Lord, I don't know. It's not even for sale. Uh, we don't, uh, we, we've not even had that. But, Lord, I'm claiming that this year in 2014. Do you know about halfway through the year, all of a sudden, you can call it coincidence. You can call it uh, happenstance. I, I just want to call it that somewhere somebody sat down and wrote out John. And heaven was moved. I, I want to tell you, somebody needs to get along with some paper and pen this week. And you need to uh, allow what God has put in your spirit, what God has birthed in your, uh, as a vision for you and your family. You need to write some things out. And it may just be that when you write the name John, something's going to break open and break loose for you. Somebody needs to say Amen. Verse 18 through 20, Gabriel says, we, I stand in the presence of God, and we've heard your prayers. Verse 63, Zacharias writes the vision, and the miracle happens. Verse 13 through 17, John was to go before Jesus as a great prophet. Why is this important to the Christmas story? Before, I want you to watch, because God is a God of history. How many have heard that history repeats itself? I don't believe that's just a slogan or a saying. I believe you see the hand of God causing things to duplicate uh, over the years. Before the first advent, there had to be an announcement. 
there had to be a prophet. There had to be one coming, preparing the way for the first advent. Fast forward. I believe before the second advent, God's going to be looking for some people that will prophesy there's another return, there's another coming. Uh, you may not catch that right now, but somewhere this week you're going to remember uh, what was just said, and I think it'll catch in your spirit. Before the first advent, God did miracles to cause the birth of John. And John comes on the scene saying, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make ready his paths. There was one, a prophet. There had not been a prophet in Israel for over 400 years, no prophetic voice. And all of a sudden, Zacharias writes a name, and a baby is named John. Not Zacharias, but named John. God had a, 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 a certain calling upon this man to be raised up as a prophetic voice to herald the first advent. Not only is God looking for prophetic voices that will herald the first advent, but if friends, he's a God of history. He's looking for some voices that will herald the second advent. And watch this. The Holy Ghost dropped this in my heart when I was thinking about this earlier. How the, the prophet John heralded the first. The Bible says in the last days when the, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, sons and daughters are going to prophesy. I believe the church is supposed to prophesy. I believe those seated in the pews on Sunday morning are to prophesy. I, I believe the anointing of the Holy Ghost is going to come on the church today. It says that the anointing of the Spirit rested upon John, and he went forth in the power of the Spirit, and multitudes came out into the wilderness. If there will be some prophetic voices that will stand up in this hour and declare not only the first advent, but will declare the second advent, I believe God will call some people people out that'll be a part of that message in this hour John came a heralding the first advent and I believe there's a generation of sons and daughters that are going to prophesy verse 79 look at it to them that sit in darkness now watch this man was in darkness for 400 years the last prophet in the Old Testament was Malachi at about 450 B.C., he is standing up and he's prophesying. The last prophet and the last... You, you need to look at what he was saying. The very last words of the Old Testament. Number one, he is saying the people's heart is far from God. And you can see that in the fact that they're not tithing. And he says there in that chapter 3, he says God's cursed the whole nation because their heart is far away. But then in the next chapter, in the closing verses, an, uh, an old prophet in the closing of the Old Testament, before, before prophets go silent, he says, there's coming the son of righteousness who will arise among you with healing in his wings. And then the Old Testament goes silent. No prophetic voice. For 400 years, it's called the intertestamental period. It is called the silent years. And it looks like nothing happens for 400 years. But let me tell you, God's still a God of history. And when you can't see him working right before your eye, let me tell you, he's working behind the scenes. Some of you are seated here and you don't see the hand of God. You don't recognize that God's doing anything. You need to just have your eyes open and you need to understand that they that be for you are more than they that be against you. That there is an unseen host that's on your side and all you need to have is one angel. 
In 2 Kings, one angel slew 185,000. Amen. Lord, just give me one good angel to follow me around today. I'll take goodness and mercy, as one, one pastor said. They're going to follow you all the days of your life. Amen. I'm telling you, you just need one good angel to attend. Ministering spirit sent to the... Oh, I, I could stop right there. But I want to show you something that's happening in history because God is a God of history. Malachi stops his prophesying, and he goes to the grave. Seemingly, there's no visible sign of God for 400 years. The temple has been destroyed just recently. Nebuchadnezzar has, has ransacked Jerusalem. The temple has been destroyed. There is no house of worship. What does God do behind the scenes when, when there's no prophetic voice? During that period of time, the greatest expansion of synagogues took place. Houses of worship in the communities where the Jewish people were all over the world. They had no temple to go to in Jerusalem. So what? I, follow the spiritual parallel. I'm telling you, the 400 years before Jesus, and watch what's happening today. I'm going to show you a parallel the Holy Spirit showed me. The expansion of synagogues was incredible. Synagogues began to come uh, uh, be in every community. Secondly, the translation of the scriptures from the Hebrew to the Greek, which gave us the Septuagint. Amen? It made accessible to the people the reading of the Word of God. Thirdly, friends, this is very important. At one of the darkest points it, during that 400 years, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, you, you remember how the Grecian Empire was cut short when Alexander the Great's life was cut short. His kingdom was divided into four, four uh, quadrants. There were four generals that took over. One of those generals oversaw Palestine and Syria and all that region. And it was Antiochus Epiphanes who became the king of that area. He marches into the temple in 167 B.C. He desecrates the house of, of, of the temple that was left there. And, and he offers a female sow on the altar of worship. It was one of the most, and it's, it is also a prototype of what the Antichrist, God of history, is going to happen in the tribulation. When the Antichrist goes into the rebuilt temple and offers a sow. And, and so, so three things are happening, but in that third thing, God raised, there is a priest named Matthias that lived. And he was devoted to the Lord. If you read the history about Matthias, he had five sons. And he said, this cannot be that the temple would be desecrated and the temple uh, areas, would, would the altar of the Lord uh, would be uh, sacrilege. And so he rose up to withstand the Greeks who had come in, the Seleucus, uh, King Seleucus, who gave way to King Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, he, he rises up against that vast army and his sons rise up. Well, Matthias dies after about a year. His son, Judah Maccabee. Anybody ever heard of him? He rises up with his four brothers as a freedom fighter and said, those that have desecrated the house of the Lord shall not be. We're going to take this city back and we're going to take the temple mount back and the altar of worship back. And he began to lead freedom fighters. And if you read about 
all of the wars and at the hand of God, one of the battle cries, he would yell, Adonai, 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 Adonai. He was trusting not in the arm of flesh, but he was trusting in he who commands the legion of angels. I'm Judah the Maccabee, it literally means the sledgehammer. God used him to completely drive out all of the Greek army that was a vast army. And so we have Hanukkah, which is the celebration of what Judah Maccabee did in cleansing the temple Resanctifying and dedicating the temple and liberating Jerusalem in the house of Israel. This year, Hanukkah began this past Wednesday evening at sunset. It carries through Christmas Day night. I'm telling you, it is a special time as there is a convergence. Somebody mentioned that word uh, to me from my sermon series this morning. Uh, things just don't happen, but there's something very important about this Christmas. There is something important about John being raised up at a particular moment in human history, and he heralded the first advent, and God was not silent during those previous 400 years because let me take you fast forward into what's been happening the last 400 years. In 1601, King James commissioned the King James Scriptures to be translated so that it could be accessible to the people. Parallel number one. Parallel number two, look at the proliferation of churches uh, in the world. Churches have cropped up all over the world. In America, there are 375,000 Christian churches. In Jacksonville, 1,400 Christian churches paralleling the building of synagogues during that same time. But I believe there's a third thing that parallels, that shows us we're on the, we're on the ebb and flow of a second advent. If all of this took place to announce and herald a first advent, I'm declaring that there are some things lining up, converging, that are showing us, friends, he's coming back. And he's not coming back as a baby. He's coming back as king of kings. You better help me up. He's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. Give me some more. Hallelujah. He's raising up some freedom fighters. Some people that are tired of seeing the temple desecrated. Some people that are sick and tired of seeing the culture come in and suck the spiritual life out. Some people that will stand up in this hour and not appeal for cheap grace, but will stand and believe that we cannot turn the grace of God into the lasciviousness of man. I need some more help on this, please. Hallelujah. I had a shouting good time when I got a hold of that this week. Amen. But I want to take you to something else. In 20 B.C., now the Romans came in about A.D. 60, and they rebuilt the temple completely, beautified the temple. By 20 B.C., Herod is enlarging and, and beautifying the temple. He's preparing for the first advent. Friends, I believe things are getting in place for the second advent. There's some people that are passionate about the things of God being in order and in place. Even the Jews. I was talking to a leader in Israel just recently. And they're talking about everything that behind the scenes is being put in place. You can go to the, the temple research there in, in Israel, in Jerusalem. Things are being ordered and being put in place because there's another temple about to be built. Amen. Amen. 
I know the Antichrist is going to sit in that temple uh, for a short period of time during the, the tribulation. But listen to me. Jesus is coming back. And that temple is not ordered for the Antichrist. It's not ordered in history for Antiochus Epiphanes. There is one uh, that the first advent was about, that the second advent is about, that he's going to sit on that throne. And he is going to rule and reign. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So let it be ordered. John Kilpatrick this September stood in this pulpit and said, Church, prepare for the move of God. I wrote that down because I felt that was a prophetic word when he spoke that. Prepare for the move of God. It says in Luke chapter 2 that she brought forth her firstborn son. And angel Gabriel that spoke to Mary said, Fear not. The angel that spoke to Zacharias said, Fear not. The angel that spoke to Joseph said, fear not. God was announcing the birth of the Christ, the Son of the living God. We believe in the ministry of angels. But the angel in verse 19 of chapter 1 who stood in the presence of God when he spoke to Mary later in later verses, I remind you he had just told Zacharias, I stand in the presence of God. Now he's standing before Mary and he says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Gabriel had stood there when the worlds were framed. Gabriel had stood there when, when Pharaoh and the Egyptian armies pursued uh, Moses and, and they went through the Red Sea. Gabriel had stood there when he had seen the chariot wheels pulled off and when he had seen Gideon and when he had seen Joshua and when he had seen many miracles uh, that took place in the Old Testament. And now the angel Gabriel He's announced to Zacharias. Now the angel Gabriel has, has met with Mary. And Mary says, how can these things be? A very different question than what Zacharias asked. And he says, with God, all things are possible. Somebody's come to church on Christmas Sunday morning. And you need to hear that not an angel. I'm not an angel, amen. Other than, if you look in the book of Revelation, the pastors were called angels. Amen. So in that sense only, you have an angel for a pastor. Amen. But I'm still a very natural man. Amen. But they're called angels. But the angel Gabriel who stood in the presence of the Lord, and I'm here to announce, he who stood there in the presence of God says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Somebody needs to hear that on Christmas Sunday morning, that with God all things are possible. I'm headed somewhere. Just hold on. Amen. Amen. Mary finds out she's pregnant. You know, what happens then? She's got to tell somebody. Amen. She didn't have Facebook to post it on. I got to get to my cousin's house because she's pregnant too. I got to go to Elizabeth's home. I want you to watch how this unfolds. Mary takes off for a couple of months. She stays the duration of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Watch what happens. She goes into the home, knocks on the door, and when the door is open and she walks into the home and gives a salutation to Elizabeth, who is great with child, the Bible says that John began to leap in her womb. It says Elizabeth got filled with the Holy Ghost. 
Now, I can take you over in the scriptures that show you that it says John was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. So what happens? Mary knocks on the door, and she gives a salutation to Elizabeth. Hey, y'all. If she was from the south, that's what she would have said. Amen. She says, Elizabeth. All of a sudden, she gets filled with the Holy Ghost. John begins to jump in her womb getting filled with the Holy Ghost. But it had nothing to do with Mary. It had everything to do with the present that she was bringing. The gift of the Son of God that was in her womb. I'm telling you, when Jesus comes in, I got a hold of that. Yesterday morning about 5 o'clock when I was writing, I could hardly stand still. What we need is for the baby, the Christ child, to come up in this sanctuary this morning. I'm telling you, when you encounter the Christ, the Son of the living God, He'll change your life. Oh, hallelujah. Raise your hands and give Him praise. Amen. Somebody just needs to encounter a baby. You need to encounter the baby Jesus. That baby in a womb came to give the gift of the Holy Ghost. He was headed back and ascending one day to the Father. And he sent the Holy Ghost. Who sa he said he will not only be in you, he'll be with you always. I'm telling you, Mary knocks on that door. She greets Elizabeth. That baby... The power of the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary's womb begin to transmit to Elizabeth, begin to transmit to John in her womb, and a prophet could not stand still any longer. I just believe that there's some sons and daughters that shouldn't be quiet any longer. You need to have an encounter on a Christmas Sunday morning. You need to have an encounter with the presence of Jesus. You need to open the room of your heart. You need to open the room of your life, and you need to let the very essence and the presence of the Christ child come in I'm telling you when he comes in the Holy Ghost comes in I believe if we'd get more of the Holy Ghost we'd have some more dancing and shouting amen there will always be no room I want everybody to stand I want our worship team to come back there will always be those that have no room. It's quite interesting that Babylonian fortune tellers followed a star to come and worship and brought gifts. But the religious crowd had no room. Probably the person, I, you know, I was thinking about this from the innkeeper's perspective this week as I was reading the Christmas story. I bet he could have kicked himself a thousand times for not making room. Jesus is trying to come into your home and to your family, to your life. And he's trying to make a difference. And if you will welcome him, my friends, the first advent points to the second advent. And I believe there's prophets being raised up. There are such strong spiritual parallels that tell us these blood moons aren't just happenstance, coincidence of history. Every sign that Jesus told us to watch is declaring there's a king that's coming back. Amen. Amen. These terrorist groups, 
told my dad yesterday, I said, all that's happening in our world is about the need of a one-world ruler that can put down this terrorism. It, everything, the economies of the world are being shaken. The political systems, the terrorism, everything is saying we need a one-world one ruler, leader. And that's why the Antichrist is going to be accepted. Friends, it should all point to Jesus Christ. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. On this Christmas Sunday morning, I can tell you with all assurity, God can turn things around on a dime. He's a God of history. Everything He's done in the past, friends, you see parallels in the present. God's readying this world. And this is the, a time of a great worldwide harvest. And if you'll catch hold of that, that I'm to be a part of this worldwide harvest, there is no telling what God can do through a life that says amen to the will of God. Be it unto me. God can, you have talents, you have skills, you have an investment of heaven into your life. And if you'll just let Jesus come in and you'll get filled with the Holy Ghost, God, won't, this can be your finest hour. This can be your best year. Amen. But it's all about a baby coming to rule and reign. The first advent is important. I'm going to share some things I, I believe next Sunday that God wants to do in 2015 that I believe are prophetic about this coming year. But with every head bowed and every eye closed all across this sanctuary, a last prophet stood and said, a son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. If your spirit needs to be healed, if you're away from Jesus, if you want to make a fresh dedication to his lordship in your life, I want you to move from where you're standing right now. I want altar workers, deacons, pastors to come to the front right now. If you're here on this Christmas Sunday morning and you want to make a fresh start, a new dedication to the Lord, I want you to move from where you're standing right now. Friends, the Holy Ghost is about to fill this house, fill every vessel. I believe that. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want every person that needs to be saved, every person that needs to be born again, if you've not given your life to Christ, I want to invite you to come to this altar right now. Move from where you're standing. If you're a backslider, there's three classes in the scriptures. 
There's the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. If you're one of those, I invite you to come right now. Move from where you're standing on this Christmas Sunday. Dad, the greatest gift that you could give to your family is for you to be on fire for the Lord and to be full of the Holy Spirit. I want every person that needs a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come right now from all over this, this sanctuary. Amen. Every person that wants a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. I want every person that needs healing in your body to come. You need healing in your body. I want you to come. I felt impressed to remind you of Malachi's final words that the Son of Righteousness would arise with healing in his wings. With healing in his wings. You need to be healed in spirit, in the realm of your emotions. You need to be healed in body. The Son of Righteousness is arising. Come on. Every person that needs healing or you want to stand in behalf of someone, Jennifer, lead us in that song. Please, no one move. Lord, everyone that needs to be in this altar, you need special prayer. I want you to come right now. Everyone that needs special prayer, come. Through the storm, He is Lord. Come on, let's raise our hands. Everyone, Christ alone.
sanctuary let's celebrate the first advent he came he came Jesus came come on thank you Jesus thank you that you came we celebrate the first advent we celebrate your coming Jesus is Lord we worship before you as the shepherds as the wise men we honor you Lord Jesus and we celebrate your name being declared in all this generation throughout this city and beyond. Lord, we make your name known. We declare as Judah Maccabee, Adonai, our God, the mighty God, the sovereign God, the great God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I just feel the presence of the Lord right now. Everybody just lift your hands, amen. Amen, just lift your hands. Amen. The Holy Ghost wants to touch you. The Holy Spirit wants to touch you. Just receive a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 